Coming up on the talk show, we have Super Bowl 56 recap and a personal life update. That's all there is. Um, I broke down the game and talked about the two best players on either side of the ball in the league this year, how they completely controlled the game for the Rams. All that and then that quick life update at the end coming up next. Super Bowl 50 recap episode. Here we go. It was a interesting game. I wouldn't say it was a crazy game, um, but it was a crazy NFL postseason and I haven't been on here in a while, so I haven't talked about any of it. Um, I've obviously talked about it a lot and we'll get to all the me not recording in a while and all that stuff later. I feel like every time I start talking when it's been a while, I start with that really and I don't want to do that. I kind of just want to get into sports because that's what this podcast is about and we'll update on everything else later because there are some updates. Um so stay tuned for that. But I want to just jump right into the game and um obviously it's been a couple of days. Everyone could digest it. Now it's that Tuesday morning. So everyone knows the Rams won and Cincinnati loses and everyone's gonna have their takes and you know we start talking about Matthew Stafford being a Hall of Famer and all that stuff. But you know all that is overreaction, obviously, to a Super Bowl, and that's what you get. Um, a guy was good for a really long time. We know how talented he is. Obviously, you see that no-look pass, and you're like, okay, this guy was talented all along. This is why we wanted him to be in a better situation when he was in Detroit for all those years is because we see that talent. We see what he's capable of doing, and he hasn't really had the opportunity to do it on a big stage. Um, and a lot of times he was playing recklessly because he was playing from behind um, in Detroit, and so... And before I get to anything else, what kind of fan base? I've never seen this before where a fan base gets as into their former quarterback winning as Detroit. I mean, that is so pathetic. Uh, no offense to Lions fans. But look, if I if the Jets, I'm a Jets fan. If Zach Wilson went somewhere else, if Sam Darnold all of a sudden was really good and won a Super Bowl, if Mark Sanchez won a Super Bowl, you think I'd be celebrating like, oh, my God, my former quarterback won? No, it'd be like, oh, another guy who got better after he left us. Like, I get it. He did a lot for the city of Detroit. It's not Sam Darnold who was there for three years and stunk like he was with the Jets. But at the same time, like, what are you celebrating? You had this talented guy. You had this guy who was capable of winning a Super Bowl, obviously. And you couldn't put the pieces around him to win a Super Bowl. And he went elsewhere and he won immediately the first year. You know, it's kind of like the Pats fans who were rooting for Brady last year. We're like, oh, yeah, we love Brady. It's all about Brady. Um, he left you and went and won a Super Bowl somewhere else. So I guess it's kind of the same thing. I'm jealous. I'm a Jets fan. I don't have any Super Bowl. I could more relate to uh, the Bengals in all this, but um, we'll get to the Bengals a little bit later. I want to start with the Rams. And really the entire game, they couldn't run the ball. And so if you look at the Rams offense and you talk about Sean McVay and everyone talks about how this was a big Super Bowl for him. Now, I don't think that it's so huge for Sean McVay going into the game. I wasn't like, oh, wow, this is a huge must win for Sean McVay, second Super Bowl. He's 36 years old. He'll have other opportunities to win the Super Bowl, I think, right? He's already been twice, and he's only 36 years old as a head coach. That's pretty impressive. So, you know, the rumors of him wanting to retire, go to TV, do something else, maybe he's a little bit, uh, you know, the grind has gotten to him a little bit or something like that. That's what I've heard. Who knows? But the point is, this is guy is supposed to be some sort of offensive genius, and the offense struggled the entire game. They couldn't get anything going. You talk about Matthew Stafford. First of all, the Odell Beckham injury was huge. When when Beckham was in the game, the offense looked great, right? You have Beckham and Cup, and Beckham was just going to be open all day because the entire defensive scheme for Cincinnati was stop Cooper Cup. And so Beckham was open, and he was incredible. 
and then he goes down, and that's on Stafford. Stafford, that throw is behind him. So you talk about the two interceptions. One bounces off a guy's hands. The other one was a terrible interception where he's just throwing it into the end zone. You could have probably kicked the field goal if you get like five or six more yards there. Instead, they basically punted into the end zone. Bad decision. We saw him do that kind of against San Francisco, only the guy dropped the interception. Um, so, you know, not a great not a great game for Matthew Stafford. If you look at it from that perspective, I think not enough people are talking about how the throw behind Odell Beckham, everyone's talking about the turf and it's turf and that's why he got hurt, but there's the throw behind him and he's stopping like that on his knee. You could immediately see when he's stopping to try and reach back for the ball. That's when he gets hurt. So, you know, you don't want to blame the injury on the quarterback, but at the same time, a better throw and Beckham probably doesn't tear his ACL there and he stays in the game. So that was a huge loss for them, and they couldn't run the ball. They averaged 1.9 yards per carry in the game, and over and over, they're just going up the middle with Sonny Michelle or whoever it was. Like They're just running it up the middle, and I don't understand what exactly the game plan was for Sean McVay and you know the offensive genius that we talk about, and obviously, they trade Jared Goff away because this offense can't work with Jared Goff. You know He's the problem when we've seen their offense struggle at times with the quote-unquote offensive genius Sean McVay. We blamed the quarterback. They traded him away. They get Matthew Stafford. And then really for most of this game, the the Rams offense was terrible and it struggled. And then one thing changed. And the one thing that changed it all was Cooper Cup. And so when anyone wants to talk about the MVP of this game, it's obviously Cooper Cup. And we'll get to Cooper Cup in a second. But my whole point before was Sean McVay, the offensive genius, that whole thing, really before that final drive, they put up what? six more points than they had put up in the previous Super Bowl that they lost to the Patriots with Jared Goff. So you talk about the Stafford trade and obviously the first thing you say, Stafford trade worth it. You know, um, obviously that trade is worth it because they went all in, they got the guy and they won the Super Bowl in the first year that they did it. And you know, all the Instagram and Twitter posts before the season were like, Oh look, they're buying their Super Bowl. And you know, everyone's like, Oh, that doesn't work. Then halfway through the season, we're like, oh, look, see, it didn't work. They started off hot, but now they're falling apart and blah, blah, blah. It just goes to show you how long an NFL season is and you can't make predictions even halfway through a season. You wouldn't have predicted either of these teams would be in the Super Bowl. Both teams were playing terribly. There was a stretch there. Obviously, Cincinnati ended the season only 10 and 7, but there was a stretch where the Rams lost, what, three, four straight games. So you look at all those things, and but the offense is really you know, puzzling that Sean McVay, this genius head coach, this genius offensive mind, couldn't get the offensive go- offense going. And then the guy who was the MVP of this game um, does, and that's obviously Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup changed this game. I mean, on that final drive of the game, the defense had one job. They knew that their only job was to stop Cooper Cup. They double teamed him. They triple teamed him. Um, he runs uh, he, before every play. He's running in formation. He's he's running across the line. They're they're trying to see what the defense is. He was doing everything for them. And obviously that huge fourth down where they hand the ball off to him. That was kind of like a deep the Debo Samuel play um against the Packers where they hand it off to him and he cuts up the middle, cuts up field, gets the first down. Really risky play by, you know, Sean McVay where you're like, hey, we're just putting the ball in the hands of the best guy on our team. And that's what they did the rest of the game. No matter what, they put the entire defense on him and it didn't matter he scored two touchdowns on that final drive in the in the end zone right where they're in the red zone and all they're trying to do is just stop this one guy and he still scored twice and obviously you talk a bit about the Eli Apple stuff um he was the primary defender on him and everyone obviously Eli Apple is not very liked around the league I've never seen anything like this where 
entire fan bases, entire cities, but also tons of NFL players are going so hard at one guy. Um, but really, what could he have done? Cooper Cup was what changed this game, and he deserved that MVP. No one could stop him in this game. Um, obviously, he gets the two touchdowns and the big, but that final drive, none of it happens without Cooper Cup. We talk about that no-look pass that everyone's now seen over the middle. Obviously, an incredible pass um, by Matthew Stafford, a gutsy throw, but there were four guys right around Cooper Cup, but he sits down in the perfect spot in the middle of the defense where that he knows that that's where that ball can be completed and you know, obviously give credit to Matthew Stafford. And yes, Jared Goff probably doesn't make that throw. So is the Matthew Stafford trade worth it? Probably. Um, and that's the next thing. I mean, you have to say it's worth it. They went all in and they decided to go for it and, and they got it. Like, that's the craziest thing. We've never seen that in the NFL where a team just... They go in on Von Miller. They go in on Jalen Ramsey, the Jalen Ramsey trade. They get Odell Beckham Jr. They mortgage the future. They give up the draft picks. And the question is, we know it's a copycat league. Are more teams going to see this? Are we going to see more teams trying this way of doing it where you just like, screw the future. We're going to win now. And you can't say that it's not worth it because it obviously was worth it. Like, they win the Super Bowl. So you get one Super Bowl out of this. Look at teams like, I don't know, look at the Jets, for example, my Jets. Look at the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are the perfect example. All anyone wants to talk about. They have draft, pick, draft picks forever, and they have all these first-round draft picks, and they have all these top 10 picks, and blah, blah, blah. And yet they're still not winning anything. Like, these picks are such unknowns. We don't know what's going to happen. Look, the Jets had a great draft this past year, but you look at the year before, it was a terrible draft. And then you're relying on the quarterback in the draft, right? How many times have teams drafted the quarterback in the top 10 in the draft and they turn out to be a bust? So these draft picks are meaningless if you don't know what they are. And some teams are better at drafting, some teams are worse, but we've never seen a team that was just like, oh my God, we're just going to trade and mortgage the entire future for right now. Even Tampa Bay, who gave all that money to Tom Brady, they didn't really mortgage the future. They're set up for a long time. They have young pieces who learned how to win with Tom Brady. So... This way of doing it that the Rams did it, that Sean McVay and the Rams decided we are going to make this happen. We are going to give up everything for the right here and now. And it was worth it because the first year in that new stadium or with fans, at least, and you are you're like, hey, we want to be the team. We want to show up and win immediately, make the move to L.A. worth it. And they did it. Um, OK, so I've gone 10 minutes already and I haven't mentioned the best player in the NFL. And I don't think he was the best player in this game. Because I told you Cooper Cup was the best player in this game. But if he wasn't number one, he was 1A, and that's Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is an absolute game wrecker. And I tweeted out right before the final drive, this is Aaron Donald's spot. This is where he makes he makes plays. That's what happens. I mean, they he knows how to use his strengths. He uses his emotion. He knows that if he goes hard for the entire game, he's going to wear out. It's a tough position to play. So he picks and chooses his spots. But when he smelled that Super Bowl championship and the game was on the line, there was nothing you could do. They tried to put two guys on him, three guys on him. I thought they should have chipped with the running back. And we'll talk about the final three plays or four plays for Cincinnati at the end of the game there. But I thought on the last play, they should have chipped with the running back. It didn't matter. The guy was... A beast. No one could stop him. No one was going to get it in his way. Obviously, um, as a team, they end up with seven sacks. So ultimately, um, I had my plus 1800 on Cincinnati that I took the before the playoffs started because I thought, you know, it's just going to be a weird year. It's going to be a weird playoffs. It's going to be a weird 
scenario for any team that wins the Super Bowl this year. So I took Cincinnati. I said, look, I like Joe Burrow. And with anything, anything can happen. So I took the plus 1800. Obviously, I didn't win that bet. Um, Would have been some nice cash. But at the same time, Aaron Donald was the best player in this game. And he made the difference on that final drive. Um, And so now the question is, will other teams try and do this? Will other teams try and replicate what just happened? Like I said, copycat league. Um, It's just interesting. It's, you know, it was a weird game. It wasn't a game that it felt like the Rams dominated, but the whole time you were waiting for something to happen. And the two best players on the team, the two best players on the field made something happen. And that was Aaron Donald and uh, Cooper Cup. Obviously, the entire game, Aaron Donald controlled the game. This is what I talk about when I've talked on this podcast about Aaron Donald being the best player in the league. I've always said Aaron Donald is the best player of the league because he controls the game. No matter what is happening, he makes you have to get rid of the ball quickly. He makes you try and run it. He allows his offense to be on the field and his defense to sit. And that's a huge part of it. He makes the other defense stay on the field for longer because he's just, you know, going to make quick drives. He controls everything, everything you're trying to do on. Like, if you think about Cincinnati's game plan, their entire game plan was, okay, figure out a way to stop uh, Aaron Donald and their entire defensive game plan was, okay, make them use someone, but Cooper cup. So you talk about, they're just trying to eliminate two players and that would have been the game, and they still couldn't do it. Their entire game plan was to slow down those two players, and yet they couldn't do it. And that's what's uh, really incredible to me about what the Rams were able to do when you have two of those incredible players. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey is good, but he got beat a couple of times. One time, obviously, not his fault, where he gets his mask ripped off his face. Um, and they obviously have Matthew Stafford, and there's a whole bunch of other players, and, every, and Sean McVay and all that, but it came down to the two best players on the field by far, maybe the best player in the league on the defensive side, and probably the best player in the league on the offensive side, at least this season. Obviously, we know what Cooper Cup did this year. He was the triple crown winner. He won offensive player of the year. And then he also wins the Super Bowl MVP um, all in one season. So one of the greatest offensive seasons. He could have won MVP too. Obviously, my guy Aaron Rodgers won it. Um, and we'll get to him a little later, maybe. Um, so that's basically when you look at this team, this Rams team, it, it's obviously about everyone but it comes down to those two players uh cincinnati was the moment was a little too big for them um obviously uh eric waddle uh tore his peck and he stayed in the game and he obviously didn't want to make any tackles and they still didn't attack him um again they couldn't get off of their game plan of okay just how are we going to be aaron donald and that really disrupted them just them trying to outsmart aaron donald and i think that's why and we'll switch over to cincinnati here Maybe that's why they ran for the on third and one with Pirine and Aaron Donald makes maybe the biggest play of the game. Obviously, the next play is when he almost sacks Joe Burrow. But that play, Pirine's past him. Pirine's already ahead of him. He's getting to the first down and somehow Donald gets off the block. And with one arm, while he's still being blocked with the other arm, he grabs Pirine and Pirine just stops like he could have fallen forward at that point for a first down. And instead, Donald just has an arm around him. And he stops right where he is and he goes down. And that might have been because that would have been a first down. And then at that point, it's first down. They're only like seven yards away from McPherson's ability to kick a field goal. So that play is almost more impressive to me. So let's talk about those last four plays. So they pick up nine yards on a pass over the middle um, to Boyd, right? That's the first play. 
And then they decide to go for a deep ball down the right sideline. Nobody there. Burrow basically overthrows everyone, goes out of bounds. Um, second and one, you try and take a shot. Like that's like the theory. I guess they're thinking, how many opportunities are we going to get at this? But we know we can't stop Donald. They're probably going to be playing to stop us for a first down. Let's try and take a shot and score a touchdown and maybe end this game here. Um, they couldn't do it. And then the next play, they run for it. And the run call, just running up the middle, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, hand it off on an end around to Jamar Chase. Make something else happen. Like, in that spot, they, they go from the shotgun and run up the middle. That has to be your best play. Like, third and one season on the line, Super Bowl on the line. Your best play has to be in that spot. That's what you have to call there. And I think they're so worried about Aaron Donald that they're like, let's just run it up the middle. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's just a weird play call. It's It didn't make any sense to me. And Aaron Donald still makes the stop. He still makes an incredible play that um, even with uh, how incredible or them trying to call a play that would deter Aaron Donald, he still makes that play. He, he gets off the block somehow as he's being blocked. He just reaches one arm out and grabs um, grabs Pirine and brings him down. And that's essentially the game. The next play, obviously, Burrow's under pressure. Obviously, everyone's seen by now. We've seen that Jamar Chase was wide open down the sideline. He beat Jalen Ramsey, which, again, why are you trying to go deep there? I don't understand that. And if you were trying to go deep there, and this is what I said we'd get to, then the running back should have been in the backfield with Burrow to give him an extra split second. He should have been standing back there to chip at Aaron Donald. And ultimately that's the guy who Burrow tries to, you know, the flip at the end tries to flip it to him. It seems like he could have maybe dove and caught it, but I saw an alternate angle where the ball was actually further from him than it looked on TV. Um, Somebody who was at the game, I saw a video in like one of the first rows. So it, yeah, again, your whole game plan was, to stop Aaron Donald and slow him down. Why are you trying to go deep twice on that possession where you know you need that extra second or two? And if you were trying to go deep on that possession, um, then why is the running back not staying back to chip and just get an extra blocker? They tried to put two guys on Donald that play. The center didn't get over in time. Um, Donald basically ran to his right and he ran between the guard and the tackle and the center who was supposed to be the second guy on him couldn't get there. And so obviously one-on-one Donald is impossible to stop. That's how he was able to get through so quickly. Um, if you just watch the replay of that play um, and there's just not enough time. And I'm not sure where Burrow was trying to go for the go with the ball. Maybe they were trying to clear the middle of the field, but obviously Jamar chase opened down the sideline, but there was no chance that they were going to get to him, that they were going to have enough time. And uh, in the biggest spot, Donald made the biggest play. That's not to say that Burrow didn't play a great game. Now Burrow did everything he could. He was sacked seven times. And then that last play, essentially a sack, right? He gets rid of the ball just just to get rid of it. But that's essentially a sack. That would have been the eighth sack of the game. And he's under pressure. This is what we talked about all postseason, all season long, that a guy who's been sacked and pressured this many times, it's hard to win. And Chase is incredible. What he can do on a football field, he is so talented. He's going to be one of the best receivers. The way he beat Jalen Ramsey twice and he didn't have to pull his mask down to beat him the way Higgins did. That was obviously a great pick. I just saw a lot of people talking about, oh, well, Panay Sewell, if he if he was in there, he would... no one's stopping Donald in that spot. And the fact that Jamar Chase was able to do what he did earlier in the game and he kept them in the game, maybe they should have used him more the way the Rams used 
uh, Cooper Cup, where they were running him in in motion every play and across the formation and giving him handoffs and trying to make more happen with him. Um, their whole game plan was to try and deter uh, Donald, and they got so caught up with it, they weren't able to do it. Jamar Chase played amazing. I think Burrow did everything that he could do. Um, and I'm not going to count Burrow out. Look, Burrow, it's one of those guys. I said this before the Super Bowl. I said this before the AFC Championship game. I said this before the divisional round. I said to my father, look, I said, Buffalo and KC are going to put up a crazy amount of points. And Burrow, who only last night against Tennessee put up 19 points, he's going to come out and beat them the following week. Just you watch. He has that, you know, while they're Manning and Rodgers, He's Brady. He has that Brady to him. And obviously that's not fair to Tom Brady or Joe Burrow because you can't call a guy that, but he just has that winning clutch gene to him that we don't know what it is. You can't really describe it. Like Brady, they put up the numbers, the top 10 QBR rating over the last 20 Super Bowls. Like which quarterbacks were in the top 10 QBR rating of, I guess the 40 quarterbacks in the last 20 Super Bowls. Obviously it's less than that, but Brady was none of them. Like, he was never the best player on the field, yet he always won, which is what ultimately made him the best player on the field. Burrow seems to have a little bit of that, but he loses. And now where from here? Like, the head coach, obviously, he did a great job. Like, the energy that they had to start the second half, they came out with crazy energy. And then the energy flipped when, you remember, Aaron Donald threw Burrow to the sideline. And all of a sudden, the energy kind of flipped in the game. There's that little scrummage on the sideline. And then after that, the Bengals weren't the same. The Bengals, the first two possessions came out. They they get the they get the touchdown. They get the interception. They get the field goal, and all of a sudden, it feels like, wow, we got this. They're they're tough, right? And then from that point on, it wasn't the same. It was just punts back and forth, sloppy play. It looked like neither team wanted to win the game, and then it still comes down to the final drive. And I thought if it comes down to the final drive, the best players in the game, I thought Burrow was going to make a play. I, I was sure Burrow was going to make a play. I thought he was going to run for it there on fourth and one. Somehow they were going to run some sort of trick play where they they forced Donald to race up field and then get Burrow in space. I didn't know how they were going to do it, but they weren't able to do it. Um, and the best player in the game ultimately were Cooper, Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald, like I've said a thousand times, but I don't think you can say it too many times. I don't think you can overreact to how just how incredible those two players were and how meaningful they were and impactful they were to winning a Super Bowl. Um, so that's basically it. And if you look now for Joe Burrow, there's an uphill battle. This is what everyone wants to look at. Look, Baltimore's not getting any worse. This was the year from hell for Baltimore. They still won eight games, right? And they didn't have, or nine games, something like that. They They didn't have their quarterback. They didn't have any other running backs. They lost all their defensive backs. They're going to be better next year. Pittsburgh, no matter who you put at quarterback, is going to be better than the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. And the Browns are a tough team. And Baker was hurt this year, whether maybe they'll get another quarterback. Then you look across the AFC. Tennessee might get a new quarterback. There's rumors about that. They already have Derrick Henry, right? So they might get a quarterback, maybe Russell Wilson, something like that. That could be a game changer for them. You talk about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. What We saw what they did. That ultimately was the Super Bowl. If you talk about the two best teams in the league, like I don't think the Rams are the best team in the league because they won the Super Bowl. I don't think Cincinnati was the best team in the NFC in the AFC because they made it to the Super Bowl. I think the best teams in the league were Buffalo and KC. That was obvious. So you look at Cincinnati's path, they go 10 and 7. They lose to Mike White and my Jets in the regular season. And then 
They beat Las Vegas because Derek Carr decides to spike it. They barely beat Tennessee. I don't know what happened to Tennessee in that game where they were trying, both teams were just trying to give away that game. Finally, Joe Burrow took it. Kansas City, that's an incredible comeback. But at the same time, what happened to Kansas City in the second half? Like, Mahomes broke. He went down the field the first three drives of the game and looked unstoppable. And then all of a sudden, he couldn't do anything. Like, what happened? So you talk about, and then they almost win the Super Bowl in the exact same fashion where it's like, yeah, they didn't really do enough to win this game, but here they are again. They made three or four big plays. And so if you go back and nitpick each thing, obviously that's what makes, you could do that to any Super Bowl championship team. But you talk about Super Bowl losers, everyone's like, oh, they they battled hard. They'll be back. This you know young quarterback, Joe Burrow, he's going to be back for a long time. I do agree that Joe Burrow is going to be great for a long time. But I don't think it's going to be the easiest path for Cincinnati to make it to a Super Bowl right away. We know they have a, lot, a ton of cap space. Um, but then we hear rumors about their owner not wanting to spend. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen. And look, we know the best team didn't win this year. But I think it's going to be hard for Cincinnati to... This was their chance. And... For everyone to just be like, hey, Joe Burrow, he'll be back. He didn't play his best game in the Super Bowl, obviously. He did everything he could. Um, I don't think the Rams are going to be back next year either. Like, If you look at who's going to be the best teams next year, the Rams took advantage of the opportunity they had and won the Super Bowl. Cincinnati couldn't do that, and who knows when the next time we'll see them is in the Super Bowl. So that's basically all I got. Congrats to the Rams. They they did deserve it. Um Two players in this game made the plays they needed to, and the best throw of the game was made, obviously, by Matthew Stafford. So congrats to him, um, and congrats to Aaron Donald, who solidifies himself probably as the best defensive player ever. Uh, It's him or LT. And Cooper Cup, maybe the greatest offensive season we've ever seen ever. Um, And to Joe Burrow, like, hey, I think he's incredibly talented. I said he has that it factor. He has that little factor um, that you don't know what it is but just a clutch gene so hopefully we'll see him back but again now everyone starts at zero everyone starts from the same spot so i'll do a whole nfl where they stand divisions kind of like right after the season what we expect to see this offseason i'll do an nfl kind of season preview offseason preview season preview episode coming up but that's all i got on the super bowl if i missed anything um i'm sure i'll mention it in a later podcast so about the podcast i'm gonna be doing more podcasts more often um, and I'm going to do a little piece. I'm going to take a break and do a piece on, uh, you know, why I'm going to have more time to do that now. But um, the NBA uh, trade deadline was huge, obviously, with the Harden trade with Ben Simmons. Obviously, I want to talk about my Knicks, talk about the Lakers and talk about what's going to happen really in the Eastern Conference is pretty crazy over the next uh, second half of the season. So that's going to be a later podcast. But this is my Super Bowl podcast. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be back with my personal update right after this. All right, so about a year and a half ago, I started this podcast with no direction or anything. I picked up my phone, took the Anchor app, and I just started recording. Um, And I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know what the plan was. I didn't really have a plan. I was just like, all right, I want to do this. I've always wanted to do this, so why not just do it? Um, And, you know, I didn't even kind of advertise it to anyone. I wasn't like, hey, I'm doing this podcast. I kind of just shared it with my family. Um... But then I kind of turned it into what I'm doing with my life. I applied for a job at Odyssey. And that was, you know, obviously the biggest step was the first step, starting the podcast. Um, 
And the next step was I applied for a job at Odyssey. I didn't think I qualified that much, but it was a uh, sales job. I kind of had some sales and marketing experience. So I applied. I Over three months, I, I worked and showed that I could do that job. And um, they gave me the job ultimately. Uh, I told them from day one why I wanted to be there. Um, you know, I, I wanted to get involved and further my career as a sportscaster. And so that's why I was in that building. Um, and then nine months, fast forward nine or 10 months, I would say, after being there for that amount of time, I decided I was going to take another chance. I had an opportunity to meet an executive from the company uh, who runs one of their sports stations actually in New York, uh, WFAN and CBS Sports Network. And we talked about transitioning to the production side. And I got back to my job in Baltimore and it kind of became chaotic for a little bit where it was like, or, you know, this isn't the job you want to do anymore. And I won't get into the details of it. But ultimately, uh, I took a risk. I took another risk, which I've been taking since I started this. Um, but it paid off. And now I have a producing job. It's going to be uh, a producing job here in Baltimore at 105.7 The Fan uh, in Baltimore. And it's just another huge step for me personally. And so I said when I started this podcast, I was going to go through the process with everyone. Um, and over the last two months, I've been listening and talking to a lot of people about the podcast, ways I can improve it, ways I can change it. Um, obviously, ultimately, just producing as much content and practicing as much as I can is the ultimate way that I can improve it. Uh, I do appreciate when everyone listens. I appreciate every single person who listens to the podcast because, um, you know, I can't critique myself always. Sometimes people can critique me and that's that's important. Um, and growing the podcast is huge because then I can monetize it and all that stuff. Uh, I do want to rebrand it a little bit, you know, maybe call it something else, maybe make it more New York centric. I have to find who my audience is. Um, and that's why I, I, I do appreciate if someone's listening right now, just shoot me a text or, you know, DM me on Twitter or whatever it is, Instagram, just say, hey, I'm listening, you know, um, just so that I can find out who my audience is, who my core audience is. And that way I can grow through you guys because that's what this podcast is about. Um, but in the grander scheme of my career, again, starting next week, it's another huge step. Um, I'm going to be working professionally as a producer on a professional show, a real radio station <laughs> in the market. And no one's ever done this. Like I talk to everyone. Nobody has taken the path of going from sales to the production side. That's how you get your foot in the door. No one's done that. You either have some sort of radio or producing experience from school or you take classes, journalism classes. I did it a super unconventional way. I knew I was going to have to do it this way. And yet, you know, thank God I was still able to do it. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without, you know, the support of certain people. And I'm far from done. This is not a, uh, the career goal was not to be a producer in Baltimore, but this is another huge step. And I feel like with every huge step, I do have to thank the people uh, in my life, my parents, wife, um, and people have supported me and I have to talk about it on the podcast because, you know, the process is moving in the right direction. I always talk about how I hate the Philly term of trust the process. That's lose, lose, lose ultimately equals win. This is always pushing forward, always pushing towards the next thing, focusing on what you're currently doing, but pushing towards the next thing. And you have to celebrate the wins. 
Um, don't get too high from the wins. Don't get too low from the lows. Um, and so the reason I haven't been on in a while is because I'm trying to figure out a way to make the podcast better, honestly. And I've not been recording in the process where I'm trying to figure out. But obviously, in the short term, before I figure out what I want to do with the podcast, um, the best thing to do at the moment is to continue recording and continue producing episodes, um, even if I'm not doing it in the optimal way. Uh, so that's all I got. That's the update. It's just another step towards where I ultimately want to be. Um, and I look forward to seeing you all there. So uh, good luck to me on the next venture, I guess. Uh, and I'll see you all next time. Obviously, appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, we're going to have an NBA podcast coming up trade deadline second half preview and then some Knicks and Lakers stuff um, specifically because those two teams stayed pat at the deadline and there are some interesting ramifications from that so all that look for that later this week I would say Wednesday or Thursday Um, until next time I'll see y'all later
take it in, take it with you when you go. Who says you can't go home? Who says you can't go back? Been all around the world, and as a matter of fact, there's only one place left I wanna go. Who says you can't go home? It's alright, it's alright, it's alright, it's alright, it's alright. Says you can't.